May might be over, but multi-unit month is here to stay. If you missed any of our special multi-unit podcasts, webinars, or white paper content, you can head over to globalfranchise.com forward slash multi-unit month to check out everything released. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, where we speak with the founders, CEOs, and presidents of the world's biggest brands. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. We wanted to create an environment where the the franchise was the focus of the business. One of the things that really motivated Floyd when we started talking about franchising was the ability, number one, to have hundreds of gyms around the world where people are doing kids workouts was really exciting to him and number two the fact that you could have aspiring entrepreneurs who were building their own ventures and entrepreneurial journeys under the banner of of the Mayweather brand. Even those who don't follow boxing all that closely are surely familiar with Floyd Mayweather, the now retired champion whose name alone has become a profitable and attractive brand. It makes sense then that Mayweather Boxing and Fitness launched back in 2018 and is entirely based around training like the champ. With its high intensity classes and virtual reality workout options, the brand is quickly rising as a leading contender in the fitness franchising space. But this is an industry that's rife with competition and some may argue that a huge name like Mayweather's may not be enough to distinguish the concept. That's why for this episode of the Global Franchise Podcast, we're catching up with James Williams, CEO of the brand. Having worked with Mayweather for a number of years, Williams is deeply connected to the Mayweather brand and is acutely aware of what makes this franchise tick. Join us as we speak with him about the brand's international growth plans, its tech enhancements, and whether the pull of the Mayweather name has been enough for its growing list of prospective franchisees. I thought we'd begin, James, by kind of taking a little bit of a retrospective and looking back at the formation of the Mayweather Boxing and Fitness brand. Um, How did the concept kind of initially come about? Was this something that Mayweather came to you saying he wanted to do, or was it an idea that was presented to him at the time? Uh, It was was very collaborative. I I had been a Bain consultant for for a, a fair number of years and had left Bain and was working with athletes and entertainers to build out businesses with and for them. And um, maybe about 10 years ago from now, maybe a little longer than that, uh, a great friend of mine and a great friend of Floyd's, um, a guy called Burrell Wilkes, and I were doing a few different businesses and deals together. And he said, hey, you've got to meet with Floyd. Floyd is, is very, very unique for a, a major top-tier athlete in that he created all of his successes and all of his wealth himself and without any licensing, sponsorship, or endorsement deals. So we drove down to Las Vegas um, and met with Floyd at 4 a.m. in his house in in Vegas um, and just started talking about different business ventures that we would like to do together. And it took about four or five years to really build out the concept for for Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. We didn't want to rush into anything. We, We certainly wanted to have me build a really close relationship with Floyd. Burrell and Floyd were already very close. So we started doing a bunch of small deals together, some investments, some small ventures, always thinking, okay, what would be the big one? Floyd very shrewdly had said the reason he didn't want to do some of these big licensing sponsorship or endorsement deals was one, he wanted to maximize the opportunity to create pay-per-view revenue. And two, he wanted to 
leverage his brand and not dilute it um, so that he could maintain all of that brand equity in, in the Mayweather name once he retired from the sport of professional boxing and build a business that he was passionate about, that he was the owner of, and that would be, become his focus. And so we started throwing around ideas and a number of late night round tables back in that, that Vegas house. And we started thinking about gyms. For all three of us, the business had to be something that was truly authentic to Floyd, something that he truly cared about, was passionate about, and would want to spend his time uh, building and, and being a part of. And there's, there's truly nothing more authentic to, to Floyd Mayweather than boxing and fitness. So we started looking into the, the fitness industry. And at the time, super attractive as it is today, at a macro level, it was growing at about 5% a year. Uh, the fastest growing category was, was boutique fitness, which was growing at about 15% a year. Uh, and the, the, the most conducive sporting modality to a fitness workout was boxing. Um, so you had all of these things working in our favor uh, at an externality perspective. So we said, hey, let's figure out what our business model should be here um, to build out Mayweather Boxing and Fitness, whether that's big gyms, boutique gyms, whether we're building them all ourselves or whether we're franchising. Um, so we started strategizing around that. And again, that was probably five or six years ago now that we, we actually created this company. And it's been a, a fantastic journey with the three of us together since then. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense that he, you know, as you mentioned about Floyd not wanting to dilute his name with those sponsorship deals, and it kind of provides more, um, you know, support behind the idea that this is a really integrity driven um, franchise concept. And I want to come to that idea of um, Floyd's name itself in just a moment. But on the franchising side of things, James, you've discussed in the past with us uh, uh, for an interview with Global Franchise Magazine that the brand opted for immediately launching its franchise locations rather than corporate owned stores to avoid competing with your own franchisees um, would you be able to elaborate on that strategy for us yeah for sure we um we we didn't want to create a system where there would be these these big um super expensive corporate owned gyms that offered different products and services to what our franchisees would be offering we wanted to create an environment where the the franchise was the focus of the business. Um, so all the way back in those original conversations with Floyd, as we were talking about, okay, do we build these gyms that we own ourselves or do we franchise? One of the things that really motivated Floyd when we started talking about franchising was the ability, number one, to have hundreds of gyms around the world where people are doing his workouts, um, was really exciting to him. And number two, the fact that you could have aspiring entrepreneurs who were building their own ventures and entrepreneurial journeys under the banner of, of the Mayweather brand. And so we said, okay, if we're going to go down that franchising path, let's go down it with, with authenticity and with integrity. And let's not go out there and, and build these big, glorious corporate-owned gyms that would potentially compete for real estate with franchisees or compete for um, talent or, or in the worst case, compete for members. And then secondly, we wanted to build an organization whose focus was supporting franchisees. So Today, we have over 30 corporate team members. We have 49 gyms open. That's a really high ratio of staff to, to locations um, because we really want to double down on that, that support to franchisees. And almost every single one of those employees is focused on supporting the franchisees. We don't have half of the team who are running our own gyms. Um, we have a very small contingent. Obviously, there's, there's in-studio employees, um, which I'm not counting in, in that corporate team number. But at, at a corporate employee level, it's all based around supporting that franchise system. 
And right from day one, we said, we don't win unless our franchisees win. So how do we invest early in the infrastructure, in the talent, in technology, in innovation to set the franchise system up for long-term success? Well, it certainly seems like that franchisee-first approach for you guys has certainly worked because you've kind of exploded out of the gate since 2018, and I know you've now got hundreds of franchises sold. Um, would you say that that me- momentum behind the brand has maintained for the past four years, or did COVID manage to maybe slow things down? Um, because, of course, you're operating in the you know much-mandated, some may say overly-mandated fitness scene. In terms of demand for the brand, there was no slowing down at all. Right. We, we continued to have franchisees sign up. There was probably a, a, a two-week gap in March of 2020 when our brand and the world hit pause on pretty much everything. But after that, we had a lot of fruit investors, entrepreneurs, seeing the opportunities that would come out of COVID in respect of new real estate uh, opening up, a completely different competitive landscape with, with other gyms, unfortunately, having to close, but that providing an opportunity for new gyms that are that are opening. So we saw people, I think Floyd personally, the way that he he has lived his life and our brand ethos is around taking uh, chances when they present themselves in an advantageous way. And so we had a lot of franchisees who who did that. And so we, we didn't see any slowdown in new franchises being awarded. The one thing that we did see a slowdown in over the over the certainly the first kind of 12 months of COVID was the speed at which we had otherwise anticipated our gyms opening. Um, people were not in a hurry to open a gym in the middle of COVID, which is completely understandable. So we were very flexible in terms of development timelines, mm. work with our franchisees to work deals with their landlords. It was a really great time to kind of be under construction where you're not paying rent and you're not dealing with the challenges of, of open gyms and uh, constraints on memberships and, and closures and things like that. We now had this backlog over the past kind of six to nine months of franchisees that are opening up into what is a much, much better environment. Um, for example, even, even just in 2022 so far, we've opened 20 studios, which is great. We have 49 open today. We anticipate having between 80 and 90 open at the end of the year. So we have that, that backlog, which kind of delayed their opening, but now really getting into this cadence of consistent openings into a market, which is very, very attractive because you're now having people coming back into uh, gyms, particularly back into boutique um, and looking for that community again. And then at, at the kind of the, the top line level, the corporate level, we doubled our revenue growth in each year of COVID and we'll do the same again this year. So, so overall, that, that demand has really um, continued to, to increase over the past couple of years. Absolutely. And uh, I know uh, with a lot of the headlines coming out of the brand, you filled these key markets throughout the US. But what are the brand's plans with regards to its international franchising expansion? Is that something you're kind of focused on at the moment or are you mainly focused on the domestic market? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one for us. It's not a um, stated strategy to go and pursue international aggressively. However, given the popularity of Floyd around the world, we do have a lot of inbound interest mm. from from countries abroad. Particularly, I'm not sure if you saw Floyd's fight, but Floyd had a fight out in Abu Dhabi and the United Arab Emirates and the whole build up to that created a huge amount of interest from the, the GCC countries for us. Right. Um, so we flew out there with, with some of the team and we're very likely going to be doing uh, an international deal in the GCC coming out of that fight. 
So I, I think rather than there being a stated strategy to go out and pursue international opportunities, we have such such a, a meaningful amount of inbound interest that we can be selective in terms of which countries we want to go into, what the, the, the backgrounds of those operators are, how well capitalized they are, how aligned they are with our brand, our, our vision and, and our values. And the group that we're going to be moving forward with out in the GCC is, encapsulates all of those things. Right. And, and really kind of lives and breathes the hard work, dedication, mentality of what created Floyd's successes throughout all those years in boxing and which we live live as a, a brand for Mayweather Boxing Fitness. So we'll continue to see uh, international expansion uh, over the next couple of months and certainly over the next couple of years. And I think that we have this great opportunity to do that probably at a faster pace than what other franchisors at our stage of, of the life cycle would be able to do, given Floyd's popularity um, and notoriety around the world. Absolutely. I mean, that's the best possible situation to be in, isn't it? Having that inbound interest where investors are telling you they want you to come to their country. And I'll be looking to hear more about that uh, GCC deal hopefully soon. But um, with regards to your your clientele at the Mayweather gyms, um, with many brands in the fitness space at the moment, we're kind of seeing this maybe post-pandemic, maybe it's just a cultural trend as is pivot from a dedicated kind of gym goer that franchisors are looking for to now appeal to maybe a, a wider, more casual audience dipping their toes into fitness for the first time um would you say that that's something that the mayweather brand mayweather boxing fitness franchise rather is is aware of as and is including in your strategy or are you mainly still aiming for that kind of intense dedicated gym going audience you know what's what's really interesting about about this brand um as it relates to to members consumers we, we definitely have kind of those hardcore gym goers yeah. and, and the name attracts that you know it's so, so and we have more more men as members as a percentage than typical boutique fitness. We're about 50-50 men and women. Typically in boutique, it's more like 75% uh, women, 25% men. So we definitely get that that hardcore gym girl who sees uh, the gym or, or who sees an ad and is like, oh, wow, this is, this is Floyd Mayweather's work and I'm coming and I'm going to get a great um, routine in here. The, the larger portion of our members, interestingly, is, is not that category. It's much more the casual gym goer and and even more so it's it's there are a lot of people who haven't worked out in a while who who aren't changing from another gym to our gym they might not have had a gym membership for a year or a couple of years and through through kind of conversations with those members i found it really interesting how their journey brought them to to mayweather boxing fitness they either drive by they see the the window banners they see the name above the door or they see a, a digital ad and Floyd has a 70% consumer awareness in the United States in, in our category. So seven in 10 people know who he is, which is huge um, brand awareness. Um, but a lot of those people might not know a huge amount about him. Um, but when they see that ad, because he's been in the news for the last 25 years, because he's always been associated with, with being the best, with never having lost, with being a champion, with greatness, there's something that, that people connect with around that and it's not necessarily about the person floyd but it's about the achievements that he's made over the course of his career and so that that ad in some way motivates and and inspires them and they create a connection with okay i want to be great i want to have that level of success i don't want to be beaten especially in in today's times and so we see those types of people clicking on those ads calling up the studios coming in and then that journey continues when they're in the gym and they're, they're taking the class because the programming kind of reflects the that same 
philosophy. Um, so it's really interesting. You have these people who haven't worked out in a long time um, and they're seeing uh, something about Floyd or they're seeing something about this brand and they're saying, it's time for me to get back in shape. I, I feel connected. I feel motivated. I feel inspired by the message and the journey that that person, that brand has been on. And I want to walk through those doors and I want to take that journey myself. And uh, my final question for you, James, is uh, another similar trend we're seeing in the fitness industry that is closely aligned with the Mayweather Boxing and Fitness franchise opportunity, and that is technology. Um, I know that you guys have, you know, virtual reality offerings incorporated into the the kind of programming um, and other sort of tech enhancements. Um, and my question for you was just, are there any other new developments that either consumers or prospective franchisees looking at the brand um, need to keep an eye out for for the rest of this year and onwards? For sure. Yeah, we, we always, from day one, have wanted to lead with technology right. um, and believe that, that if you can seamlessly integrate technology in an immersive way into a, a boutique fitness experience, then that takes you to the next level in terms of the, the offering that you can provide to your members. So uh, what, we've, what we've just put into our studios, which we really love, is technology where Floyd is actually part instructor so floyd's been filmed doing all of the different boxing combinations so now you uh kieran as a member come into the studio and you're taking class every one of those boxing combinations you have a screen and it's floyd taking you through those right which is a really cool way to immerse floyd with the members members love it they really feel like okay this this is floyd's workout this is floyd taking me through this programming so you using technology to immerse floyd more so in the day-to-day operations um, and experiences than members is a really integral part of what we're doing. We have a, a phase two of our virtual reality roadmap to make that product uh, even more conducive to uh, a fitness program um, where we would potentially allow franchisees or have franchisees be able to sell headsets in their studios for additional revenue streams um, and their members, if they're taking classes two to three times a week, in the studio, maybe doing one one workout at home, we can keep that within the, the brand ecosystem and have them take a virtual reality class through our product at home. So that keeps them more sticky to the brand, drives retention for our franchisees and, and creates other revenue streams uh, for our franchisees. And then looking into other ways to create a more immersive experience for members through wearable technology. We currently engage uh, heart rate straps. We are piloting with, with our franchisees things like punch trackers. Um, to see if that's something that that members will like to engage with, to to learn more about themselves and to become more engaged with the programming. So a lot of these things that we're doing with respect to technology, it's in coordination with our franchisees. It all comes back to what drives higher conversion for prospects to members and what drives member lifetime value. And if we can use technology to improve both of those things for our franchisees, then we know we're, we're on a great path. Excellent. Well, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of um, exciting developments on the horizon for an already very, you know, rapidly scaling brand you've got there, James. So thanks again for joining us today and looking forward to hear a lot more uh, about Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in the months ahead. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it, Kieran. All the best. It was great to learn more about the origins of the Mayweather Boxing and Fitness concept and to hear about how the brand was discussed for many years before its actual launch. It's this kind of preparation and attention to detail that Mayweather himself has relied on to prevent diluting his brand name, so it tracks that his franchise opportunity would undergo the same level of care. It was also interesting to hear about the brand's upcoming Middle Eastern deal, and the fact that this was driven by the popularity of Floyd himself. 
This goes to show that celebrity endorsement or backing can have a real impact on a franchise brand's growth trajectory, just like we're seeing with the likes of Shaquille O'Neal's Big Chicken or Lewis Hamilton's Neat Burger. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Does celebrity culture impact the kind of brands you engage with? Or do you think the processes and services offered by a brand are more important? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.